Open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 7, the gospel according to Luke chapter 7. Are you ready to have some church this morning? I was, uh, I was spying on my church earlier as you guys were here. I was spying on my church, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to do over there. So it looked pretty good this morning over there. Amen. It's good to get away, though. Sometimes you're in your church all the time and, uh, you know, you want to see some new faces. Amen. And I love coming to churches because we see gangster faces and crazy faces and happy faces and police faces and politician faces and all the faces. So it's good to be in the heart of the bay. Amen. When you get Luke chapter 7, say, I got it. Verse number 1. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. I'm good, Troy. Thank you. Thank you. I don't sing, so we'll just go ahead and preach here. Isn't he beautiful? Give him a big hand. I mean, I know that I know that we've been worshiping the Lord, but I'm so happy to hear what he was singing this morning. Verse 3, so when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and to heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying, that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation, speaking of the centurion, and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with, him, with them, and when he was ready, already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word. Say that with me. Say, say the word. Very powerful statement right there. And my servant will be healed, for I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes to my, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such a great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well uh, that had been sick. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we come before you this morning. We ask for your awesome presence and anointing now to settle in our hearts. I pray, God, that whatever has brought your people here this morning, wherever they find themselves in your presence, that your love, your power, your grace, and your mercy would rest upon them and let your word change them. Let not one person leave the same way they came in. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell him to say, what authority are you sitting under? I heard somebody say they're sitting under my wife's authority. No. I know your pastor has been dealing in the area of discipleship, getting this church ready to multiply into what's called multiplicity. That is just like these mirrors here. You see one reflection on one mirror. All of a sudden you can see them on all of them if you're positioned right. I want to talk to you this morning about coming under authority so that discipleship can take its place. Somebody said that everybody was born an original, but most people end up being copies. The world has so many duplicates 
that it's hard to find an original walking around. When you walk under spiritual authority, you are not just a variation of somebody else. But you are under the authority that God has placed over your life. Original. It's, it's hard to find originals now. Like there's certain stores that you can go to to buy original clothing, like uh, vintage clothing that you can't find in different markets. In fact, if you go to different stores, they have duplicates or knockoffs of perfumes or knockoffs of different types of clothing. But there are certain places that you can go that you'll be able to find the original, uh, uh, the ori- the original label on the clothing that, that came out when it came out. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's kind of expensive to buy original stuff. To be original is not cheap. To be somebody else is easy. In fact, you're not, you're not worth that much when you're copy, a copy of something else. But when you are an original, now to be original means that you come under the authority of God. You're not under the authority of this program or that program or this prison or that parole officer or, or of this background or this world. You are an originally uh, handcrafted man or woman of God. So it's, it's important to understand that because w- when you read this passage here, you got to find out that this man that was not a Jewish man had the ability to understand what it meant to be under authority. It was so much that there's a lot of principles to pull out of that, but it was so much that he actually was able to say, you don't even have to come to my house. All you got to do is say the word because I am in touch with what authority means and what it does. I know the results of authority. All you got to do is say this to somebody when you are in authority, and that person has to do what you say. All you got to say is go over here, and they got to go over there. I understand it. So he said to Jesus, a very heavy revelation, all you got to do because you are under the authority of God, and you are the authority, just say the word. You don't even have to show up, and my servant's going to be healed by God. You know, that's some power right there. When a family member comes up to you and says, man, my, my child is sick, my, my daughter is sick, my husband is sick, my wife is sick. All you got to say, in the name of Jesus, when you are under the authority of God, that person's life can be touched. It's important to understand that. He says here that I will, that all you got to do is say it and he will be uh, healed. Uh, also, I want you to understand that he even says to him in the passage here, you know, I'm not worthy to come to you, and I'm not worthy for you to come unto me. The beauty of authority is you recognize your place, that it's not you that is bringing the miracle or the blessing or the movement. you got to get it right that it's not your hands and the power of your hands or the intellect of your brain or the skills that you understand. No, it's the authority that God is moving through your life. That's when you know you're under authority. There's a reverence to that. There's a reverence to say, it's not me, it's God that is changing. Now, I'm ta- talking about being prideful. When they tell you, hey, man, great job in God's place. You know, no, no, it's not me, it's God. it's God. Everything's God, everything's God. No, that's almost humility, but it's really pride. Come on now. But I'm talking about when you are under authority, you can walk with the power of God and say, all you got to say is the word. All you got to say is, God, you know, you're going to make this happen, and it's going to be so. Another principle in this is you find that the Bible says that Jesus, when he heard it, he stopped in his tracks and he turned to the crowd and he spoke. There's only two or three times in the Bible that you see Jesus actually stopping and turning because of something that somebody did. 
One of the things that you see here is that what moves Jesus or what will turn Jesus to look your way is when you are under the lordship of Christ. When you are under the authority of Christ, he's Lord of your life. When you come to the Lord and say, Jesus, I need you to move in my life, he automatically will turn to you and look to you. Why? Because you are surrendered to him. And when you come under his authority like that, God will look at you and God will meet your needs. God will move through your life. But I think sometimes we we get wrapped up in our own authority. I'm the boss of this house. I run this. I drive the car. Uh, It's my castle, and I'm the king of the castle. That's just arrogance. That's all that is. It's important to understand spiritual authority so you can initiate it when you need it in your life. There's times that you're going to come into in your life that you don't have the power, you don't have the ability, perhaps not even the resources or not even the contacts to accomplish a great need in your life. How many of you have ever ran out of money? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't raise your hand. How many have ever ran out of gas? Don't raise your hand. Why was it when we were out there, we only put $2 in gas all the time? Now that won't even get you nowhere, amen? But have you ever been to a place in your life where you've ran out of everything? You know, no money, no friends, no food, nothing. You're just in that place. You know that when you are under spiritual authority and you come to a place in your life where your life is becoming empty or you're coming to a place of lack, that's a good place to be because you have positioned yourself for God to do a miracle to move inside of your life. Now, I'm not saying that that's a good place to stay. You know, you shouldn't stay in that place, but it's a good place to recognize while I'm here, God can have his way. Why? Because you're surrendered unto God. Now, if you were determined and to be uh, under your job, and your job is your source, you know, jobs don't last no more these days. Uh, we were driving over here, and in the old days they had a plant, the GM plant. I remember when it closed down, and thousands of people lost their jobs. Some committed suicide because they were actually dependent upon that job. 20 years in, 25 years in, 30 years in, nothing is guaranteed. The only thing that is guaranteed is when you are under the authority of God. The devil would love for you to be ignorant of spiritual authority as to keep you down and powerless against his schemes. He would love for you to not know how much authority you got. Come on, say amen now. You got authority in the name of Jesus that when the devil tries to attack your family, you got the promises of God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. When the devil comes like a flood, the Bible says God will build a standard against him. He don't want you to know the authority that you got. That you have the ability to walk in the name of Jesus and no longer be a drug addict. No longer be messed up. No longer be bound by the things of the world. See, I couldn't stop the way my life was in my own strength. But once I came under the power of God, I didn't want to be a drug addict anymore. I didn't want to be a gang member anymore. Where before, I couldn't help it. It was, it, was, it was running my life. So when you understand this authority that you come under, you can find yourself on the side. When, when you don't understand it, you can find yourself on the side of deception. You know, in the side of rebellion. It, on the side where things are blocked up and won't work because of a lack of spiritual authority. Did you know that? That you can block 
blessings from your life. You can allow trial, unnecessary trials in your life when you're not under the authority of God. That things will come your way and stop you from actually being blessed or actually having a breakthrough in your life. Now, when you have this sense of authority over your life, the spirit. Now, people are afraid of that word. Say, say authority. A lot of times when you say that word, you're like, oh, man, the cops are here. Híjole, you know. Right away, I got to behave myself. Right away, like, you know, I'm under authority, and so I don't want to, you know, I got to act right, I got to behave, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about spiritual authority. I'm talking about power, dunamis power. I'm talking about the ability to, to go into any situation and have the power to change the situation. You don't got to settle for being second best. And, and you don't got to settle for, 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 you know, lack. And you don't got to settle for, look, my kids are messed up. No. You got the power to come to God and say, Lord, I give you my unsaved husband, my unsaved wife. I give you, Lord, this. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you walk into your room and your rebellious children that have been rebellious. I know not in this church, but in my church, the rebels out there. You can come up to them with the power of God. I thank God for, for the UTC. I, I thank God for God's anointed now generation. All my kids at around the age of 17, 18, had, a, had an epiphany, had a, had a revelation. As rebellious as they were, I got some stories about my oldest son that I ain't got time to tell you about. But I got some stories. That boy used to steal my truck, steal my car. And smoke PCP and move jam all the way to San Francisco. The way he would steal it, he would push my car out of the driveway because I had flow masters. You could hear my car when it started up. He stole my keys and him and his buddies pushed it halfway down the block, turned it on, then took off. I'd come in the morning, i go, I know I had a full tank of gas when I parked this thing. And why does it smell kind of funky like, you know, uh, parsley mixed with chemicals? Are you feeling me now? Some of you KJ people know what I'm talking about. It's a unique smell. But God had a way. As I saw what he was up to, I saw what my daughter was getting up to, and I saw my youngest son, what they were up to. But I didn't, say, I didn't take that as that's the way their life is. That's the way it's going to be. I said, no, you've been dedicated to the Lord. We presented you to God. And when this little trial comes your way of wanting to be in the world, Laura and I stood in the gap and says, no, you're going to serve the Lord. <clears throat> we didn't have to force it on them. We didn't push it on them. We just stayed the example and loved them, even through the hard times. So we came with the authority to the enemy. You are not going to take our children to the devil. You are not going to take them away. Now they're serving the Lord. My youngest son, I, I got a kick out of him. You know, he blasts uh, uh, Christian music now that he got saved. He's only 17. He blasts as loud as he could put it because my neighbor plays all these funky, weird music, you know, and you could hear him, you know, and he goes, I'll show them, you know. And he's, he's praying and seeking God. He turns it full blast. And, uh, and I thank God because that's an answer to prayer. Now, when you tap into this spiritual authority, this authority under God, what happens is then you're, you're not a variation of somebody else anymore. Now God has given you an identity, an identity to fulfill his will in your life. Every one of you <clears throat> have a calling of God upon you, but every one of you have to come into that contact with that calling. A lot of times your, 
your, your, your old ways or your old self will give you complexes, maybe even fear to not fulfill God's plan for your life. But when you come under the authority of that calling in your life, you not only are uh, engaged with it, but you no longer are afraid to do that, to fulfill that will that God has for your life. You have an identity now. I never wanted to be a pastor. When I got saved, I was happy just serving the Lord and not being messed up anymore, not having to watch my back anymore. I was just happy coming to church. But God's will showed up. You know, I, I said, well, I'll go to the streets with you, but I'm not going to go to King and Story with you. Because, you know, back in the day, they, everybody used to cruise King and Story. Everybody. Some of y'all might have went over there. Let me see your hands if you know what I'm talking about. Some of you OGs. Look at all you OGs. Come on now. So, so I go. So they convinced me to go. I finally I went out there with them to witness. I said, I'll witness, but I'm not going to stand there with a bullhorn, and I'm not going to stand there with a sign, Jesus loves you. What happened? I ended up being the street team leader of King and Story. I was, I didn't want to do it. But once I got it, I was, I, was in the, I was in the right place. I was fulfilling God's will. When they sent me to Newark, New Jersey, I, I, nobody should go there. Amen. I, no offense if you're from there, but I learned God's will over there. I learned how to trust God. I learned how to step up by faith. The, nothing was too impossible with God. I like what uh, Sister Mitzi said one time, seeds become trees because they, they, that potential is naturally in them. All they need is the right environment and the right nutrients for that tree to go. It's, it's what's going on in this place right now. There's a lot of seeds, but in every seed is a tree. Every one of you that have a seed of, of a calling of God, it means that you are able to reproduce yourself multiple, multiple, multiple times. You just got to plant the seed. See, every, every week your pastor comes out and he gives you seeds. The Word of God, he gives you seeds. And, but we treat them like sunflower seeds. You know, yeah, you start eating your seeds. What's the matter with you? Oh, you got to plant the seed. We're not trying to give you food. We're trying to give you, you know, you know, we're trying to give you where you can reach many, many, many more people. But you got to get in contact with that. In Psalms 139, verse 16, the Bible reads, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Did you get that? Before they even came to pass, you already set my life up. Before I even was able to walk, before I was able to even think, you had already planted your will and your purpose for my life. They were already written down. They weren't going to be written down. They were already written down. And once you showed up to that, God began to take that, that man and that woman and say, now that I've written this story about you, it's going to come to pass. Don't think that it's a coincidence that you're just here. No, God done wrote that like in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I already had a plan for your life. You may have thought you were doing your thing in the penitentiary or in the street corner or whatever, but let me tell you something. God had another plan for you. That was the devil's plan. Now, when we, let me tell you something. When we, when we violate the spiritual authority and try to call our own shots, come on, somebody say amen now. You see that a lot in the home sometimes. You want to drive our own car. You know, everybody's a cop in the home. Everybody's mad. You want to leave. Why do you guys leave? When they leave the home, they got to go out the window in the back where nobody can see. Why don't you just go out the front door? 
Why are you going to be diving out the window in the middle of the night? Amen. I don't know where that came from, but praise God. Don't violate what God has planned for your life. So to be effective, we need to be a people whose capacity exceeds the sum of the parts. I'll explain that in a second. Effectiveness hinges on who you are rather than what you can do. Now, what does that all mean? That means that when you come in, you don't have all the skills. Tell your neighbor, tell, him, tell your neighbor, I know he's talking about you now. Now, we don't always have all the skills. We don't always have it together. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you didn't always look that good, I know. Some of y'all probably didn't have no teeth when you came in. Now you got a grill. Come on now. Some of you didn't have clothes that match. Now, you're, you know, your Bible matches your suit, your dress, your shoes. Some of you never combed your hair. Now, you know, you just shave the whole thing off. Amen. Whatever. You didn't always have it together. But that doesn't limit God. It doesn't limit God because the, 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 the capacity of what you came in, look, it, it has to exceed the parts. The, 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 what God wants to do has to exceed what's already inside of you. So whatever you came in with, you just got to come and trust God, and it's under that authority that God could do more things through a limited life. A limited life can only do limited things. But a life under authority, there is no limit in what God could do through your life. And once you come in contact with God's purpose for your life, it becomes attractive to other people. People want to be like you. They want to walk like you. They want to have what you have. But that only comes when they see a surrendered life to God. I didn't always, you know, uh, preach the gospel. In fact, most of the time I was a shy person, if you, if you could believe that. Most homies are shy. We don't call it shy. We just call it kicking back. We just find a wall and put our back against the wall, and we analyze everybody. That's, that's what a, a gang member does, a real gang member. And we're just, we don't talk much. So when I got saved, all of a sudden they put a microphone in my hand. They said, you got to preach this, this gospel. Go testify. One time they asked me to speak. One of the first times they asked me to speak, I had like 15 pages of notes and I spoke for four minutes. I was done in four minutes. You know, you, you had to have been there. I read every single word. So you imagine, you do the math. I had to exceed my capacity. I had to grow into my giftedness. I had to trust God and surrender to God to where now I speak at conferences. I speak at Mighty Men. I speak in a great church. I speak, I'm here today. That's only because I've allowed God to exceed my limitations by coming under his authority. What happens when you come under the authority? Real quick, God, when you come under, God brings order into your life. When you're under the authority of God, there's order, there's calm, there's peace. Like when my kids were young and they would come home, it don't matter what trauma they were involved with or what's going on outside. When mom and dad, the men and the women of God were at home, there's order in the house. They could rest good at night because mom and dad uh, were in the house. Turn to your name and tell them, are you under authority? How do you know when you're under authority? Well, look. When you come to a red light, what do you do? Don't be lying. You know, some of you guys speed up. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes we do that. But we stop at a red light because we are under the authority of the law. 
Nobody is there to police that light most of the time. We listen to the authority of the unwritten law. In, well, it's written, but it's not in your presence. But because the authority has the power and it has a punch behind it, like if you ran the red light, you run it, and there's a cop on the other corner, you're going to get a what? See, there's, there's consequences when you aren't under authority. So when you come to a red light, because you understand the authority, most of us stop because we don't want to get the ticket. Now, when you're under the authority of God, you don't have to walk around with a list of rules around. It's already inside. It's internally inside of you. Like, we need to pray every day. None of us should come out of our house until we spend time alone with God. And when you do, don't get mad at God when your boss is about to fire you or when you get yelled at. Don't get angry when your, your kids are being rebellious or your wife is being rebellious or, or she don't want to cook for you no more. And when she does, she burns it. Are you feeling me now? We used to listen to our teachers because we were under their authority. How many could still remember, uh, we're going to take you back a little bit, when you would go to school and you would be bad, they would spank you. Let me see your hands. Anybody? Okay, so OGs in the house. Come on. When we would go to school, they had permission to give you a swat, a paddle. Let me see your hands if you feel You're still scarred? I'm scarred. Are you scarred? Anybody scarred? They used to spank us. You can't even think about that nowadays. In fact, they didn't even have to ask permission when we used to go to school. If your kid is bad, he's going to get SWAT. If he gets in a fight, he gets three and he gets suspended. I remember that because I had all of those. I, I fulfilled all of those SWAT recommendations. I had them all. What happens when, when you're not under authority? Not only do you come outside of the ability to be order in your life, but also when you do that, you can miss opportunities. You know that the, the enemy of our youth today is missed opportunities. They have opportunity to do greater things for God, but the world is pulling at them all the time. And the young people of our world and our society are, are walking around doing things that they don't really want to do, but because they haven't surrendered to authority, now they're in the authority of the YA. Come on now. When, when one is not under spiritual authority, then you will live what's called an obligated life. You will live a life for other people rather than a life of passion or a life of freedom. You have to live what other people tell you to live. H have you ever had somebody impose upon you something that you really didn't want to do, but you had to do it? That, that's a sad life to live. Now, I think that it's, it's contradictory to what God wants for our life. As you come under the authority of God, you have a life of freedom now. I'm not a drug addict anymore, not because I can't do it. You're not a drug addict because you can't do it. You're not, you're not uh, an alcoholic because you can't do it. But because we're under a different authority now. I don't even have a desire to do it. I remember when I first got saved, God instantly removed those desires out of my life. I didn't even want to get high no more. You know that the first week of my salvation, two weeks of my salvation, I was hanging out with my homies. I didn't understand that when you get saved, you got to go to church. I just thought you get saved and your life has changed. But something happened to me. But I would go back to the neighborhood for two weeks straight. And, you know, I'd help them roll the joints, but I wouldn't smoke it. Uh, I would pitch in for the beer, but I wouldn't drink it. I was not saying, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm just telling you what happened in my life. So I, I could have did it, but something happened inside of me. 
I'm not under the authority of the devil anymore. I wasn't bound by the drugs anymore. In fact, I was there, you know, helping them, but I didn't really want to do that no more. It wasn't until I came to church, started going to church consistently, that I understood that principle. You know, you know sometimes I, I'm driving, and I don't know if this happens to you, but people get, you ever get cut off before? Just me? Uh, God's still working in me in that area right there. He's still helping me to get the victory in that area right there. Uh, sometimes I'm driving with my wife, and all of a sudden somebody cuts me off. I'm like, hey, hey. You know, my hands are flying. I'm not giving sign language. I'm just saying, hey, I want their attention. I want them to, to understand the mistake that they just made, you know. Being pastoral here. Come on now. And, and my wife says, what's wrong with you? One of these days, they're going to pull over and want to fight you. I said, bring them on. Bring them on there. No, that's not good to do. But God's working in my life. She goes, she goes, I don't really care what happens to you, but I'm in the car, brother. You know? God's authority over our life protects us from self-destruction. It stops you from becoming the maniac that the devil wanted you to be. Jeremiah 5.22, should, should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? I made the sand and a boundary for, for the sea, an everlasting barrier. It cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. That's the power of God, able to stop the seas from overcoming the rest of the earth. When you are in a position of God moving in your life, it don't matter what wave of the enemy that comes to attack your life. He puts a barrier, a boundary against the devil's attack against your life. He don't have the power to come against you. He don't have the power to destroy you. Because no matter how much he roars or how much he barks, God's power has said, no, that's my child. But when there's no authority, then that, there are no barriers. Then the enemy has ability to attack a person's life. That's important because promotion comes from the Lord. You know, yielding to those that God has given authority over your life. Don't get mad when God raises up somebody. You should be, you should be blessed when God raises up somebody. You know, I've taken over a fairly large church. It's been growing more. But I, I figured out something that when, once I got there that we're not going to be able to run this church with one pastor. I'm going to need a team and we're going to have to create a team concept to be able to make this church expand. And I went into it like that, and I started to select great leaders around me. we got a great team around us right now, by the way. And so I said, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not intimidated that, that you are a, a better leader in this area than I am. I'm blessed that you are able to deal with those 100 people over there so that I don't have to really, you know, I, they may get limited if I'm the only guy in charge. I say, praise God. That's a hundred more people that, that are going to be shepherded and cared for. I'm not a, I got guys that, that probably preach better than I do, that are better in different areas of ministry. But I say, praise God. I'm not intimidated by them. In fact, I welcome them to come. And uh, even like our worship team, I'm not a good worship person. I like to sing, but I'm not good at it. But I got a great leader that runs it. He has, he has three teams that he works out of. 
He's creating teams where, where they can go anywhere at different times. We have a team put together by his hands that are going to go on our church plant. That's going to happen in the beginning of the year. He's actually going to send a worship team with them. Well, I could have never done that. I would have just told him, get that monkey that you wind up with the symbols. You know, that, that, that's all you need, brother. In the name of Jesus. But, see, I would have limited the potential of having more people around me. You cannot be intimidated when God is raising up people around you. You should embrace, man, this brother, this sister is anointed. They do a better job than me. Praise God. We can do more for God in the team concept. I don't run our Friday night service. I don't run our Sunday night service. I oversee it, but I don't run it. I have a team that runs it. I don't, I don't plan their services. I just I sit in and tweak it or I critique it, but I don't run it. I don't plan. They plan it. I don't plan our Sunday night. I don't even plan our Sunday morning. I have a team that runs our Sunday morning service. I just show up and, and uh, take the microphone and take all the credit. Come on now. But I don't run it. That's the power of letting God raise up somebody next to you. You should be blessed when God raises up people next to you. You can see that's already happening in this church here. You see that God has already taken us to another level. This building ain't going to be large enough for what God's going to try to do to this church. The more that you expand with leadership, the more God gives you people. We know that Joshua is around, was, was noticed because of Moses. We know that Elisha was noticed because of Elijah. We know that Timothy was around and noticed because of Paul. We know that Pastor Sonny was around because of Nikki Cruz, and Nikki Cruz because of uh, David Wilkerson. We knew that Pastor Sonny, Pastor Steve was because of Pastor Sonny. There's always somebody that is around you that you're under that authority so that God can raise you up. Now look at your church today. God is blossoming your church through the sun, through Stevon. Why? Because we're under that authority. Imagine as more leaders come under Pastor Esteban and Sister Chela's leadership, how as God as you allow that to expand, there's no building going to be big enough in the heart of the bay. It won't be the heart of the bay. It'll be the lungs of the bay and the kidney of the bay and the liver of the bay and the intestines of the bay, all the body parts, amen. There won't be a building big enough for y'all. What happens when you're not under spiritual authority? The fear is that, you know, I, if I submit myself to authority, then I submit myself to control. And I'm not going to be controlled by anybody. Now, wh now, when you submit yourself to fear, fear will always bring you to a place of deception. Fear will always bring you to a place of lack. If you are controlled by your fears, you will not be present in the moments that you are needed the most. Fear will cause limits around your life. It, fear will build barriers in your life. I said this before, if you're afraid of heights, you'll stay low. If you're afraid of water, you'll stay dry. If you're afraid of, you know, darkness, you'll stay with the light. The, the light will be on all the time in your room. Oh, don't be controlled by your fears. God has set you free from all that. You know, the enemy wants us to believe that the submission that we are supposed to come under actually equals bondage and rebelliousness. It equals a, a, a lack of freedom. That it, it equals an opposition. But really what it is, it, it, it equals freedom in your walk with God. You know, a student is not above his teacher. But everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Let me talk to you about that for a second. I, uh, for the great 
many years, 30 years of serving the Lord, I've sat under one of our greatest leaders of our movement. I've been able to be shaped and trained by this great man of God. I had the privilege for 30 years to pick up the phone and just talk to this great man. I had, I had opportunity to, to just go to his house. I, uh, uh, when I needed an answer to something, I picked up the phone or, or I'd meet him somewhere for lunch or I'd meet him in a, in a, in a hotel or we were on vacation. I, w- I had the freedom to come to him. Well, that, that has been, that's not there no more. I don't have that luxury anymore to, to just to make, pick up the phone from this great man that's been impressing in my life for 30 years. So what does that mean, that it stops? No, it doesn't stop. Does it mean that it's shut down, that that's the, the, the only amount of resources that I have? No. That's why I got friends in the ministry. That's why I got great leaders over me in the ministry. Because I don't want to stop growing. I don't want to stop believing. I don't want to stop stepping forward. I don't want to do it alone. That's why we got your pastor Esteban, you know, blazing the way in the east, in the bay here. That's why we got friends in the ministry that we partner with, that we lock arms with, so that we can do what God's called us to do as a ministry. We're not alone in this process. So what happens when you come under, what are some benefits of this? One, you'll grow when you're under spiritual authority because you're allowing that teacher to mentor you. By the way, if you don't hear anything this morning, hear this, this one thought. Everybody in this room should have a mentor in their life. Uh, not necessarily somebody necessarily older than you, but just somebody that's been down the way a little bit more than you have. Uh, somebody that could tell you, don't go that way, and this is why you shouldn't go that way. Or this is the right path for you. I would probably take this path here. Every one of us needs somebody in our life. Do you know that I'm still accountable to pastors that I that I've built friendships with over the years? That I've allowed to call me or I call them, that I still I still am accountable to them, and I've given them the, the right to check any area of my life. I I learned that early in my pastorate, that you gotta be accountable. What do you think we've been around for 30 years? It's not because we're experts at what we do, it's because we've come under authority. We've allowed people to be in our lives to help us to know what to do and what not to do. We don't know everything. Tell your neighbor, you don't know everything. Even though you think you do, you don't know everything. Not only will it help you to grow, but being under authority will also help you to develop. I'm not just, you know, wanting to build a church or, hey, we got San Jose. Hey, we're going to, you know, take run for hope. Hey, we're going to do this. No, no, that, that's, that's the least of what we're trying to do. My, my, my thing now, this whole year has been of growing and also settling down this whole transition. This whole year has been of restructuring and building an infrastructure, creating a team and changing the philosophy of leadership, uh, dealing with our pastoral staff and our, and, our, and our administration staff and all this business. There's been a lot of shifting, a lot of moving around. Well, th- it's taken almost a whole year. Now we're in the phase of development now. In this year, this coming year, we're going to be having key speakers come in to develop these men and these women of God to another level. See, we can't do it by ourselves. We, we need the right people in our life. We need the right people to direct us the right way. You need somebody in your life that you trust with your life. Uh, you have to understand that there's a process, though. And uh, where, where you want to go and where God wants to take you, it's not, a, it's, not an easy, it's not an easy, you know, just get over there. It, there's a process. We, we can't neglect the process for the prize. You, you, can't, you can't do that. You cannot neglect the process in order to reach your objectives. 
Don't, don't neglect it. Don't, don't, don't stop what God is doing to get you where he wants you to go. Because you'll end up right back in the same place that you're at right now. Sometimes you, you see this in marriages. Some married couples run away from the process because issues shows up. You know, issues that actually can help your marriage to get stronger. But instead of dealing with it, they say, I'm not happy no more with you. Easy now. I'm not happy with you. Let me tell you, happy costs now. It costs you to be happy. Tell your neighbor, say, I know that's right. It costs you to be happy. I remember when I first started dating my wife. It cost me to be happy. She made me happy. Oh, she made me happy. I love being She put a smile in my mind, in my heart, my face. But it cost me money. It cost me dinner. It cost me gifts. It cost me rings. It cost me diamonds and jewelry. It cost you money to be happy. But don't come cheap. Tell your neighbor, don't come cheap now. Happy costs. There, there's a price tag on happy. You, you, you can't expect to be blessed, and there's no price tag attached to that. You can't expect to grow and to multiply and disciple without paying the price. If you, if, if, if you run away because you're not happy, you'll run into somebody else that's in the same place, that has the same price tag, the unhappy price tag. Unhappy people have the same price tag. You know that it costs you more to be unhappy than it does to be happy? It costs you more to do your thing when all you got to do is surrender to God and the joy that it comes. You won't even, it's like they say when you have a baby, all the pain that a woman has in delivering a baby, thank you that I'm not a woman having a baby, God. But I've heard the stories. I've seen my wife deliver three babies. It's a heavy scene. It's a very violent scene. It's a very aggressive scene. Very painful scene. Very harmful scene. Very dangerous scene. They should put that nuclear sign, that danger nuclear sign, hazardous to your health sign on the door when you walk in. It's a very powerful, heavy scene. But they say that as soon as the baby comes, it all wiped away. The pain and the misery that a woman goes through to, to bring a child into this world disappears in an instant because they were willing to go and pay the price. Why do women do that? Why do they go through the pain of having a child? Because it's worth it. Why does a fireman run inside of a burning building to go and save somebody that he doesn't even know because it's worth it? Why do you do what you do to serve God and go through the trials that you go through and pay the price that you pay to pay to serve the Lord because it's worth it? Why do you do and put up with what you put up and all the, all the stuff that comes your way and negative from your, sometimes family and friends that put you down for what you're doing? Why do you go there because it's worth it? Why, do you, why are you here this morning? Why do you believe in the vision? Why are you going to make a movie? Because it's worth it. Why are you going to take the city? Because it's worth it. Don't neglect the process. There's a prize at the end of that process. All you got to do is step into that. Lastly, maybe my brother can come. Everything you go through in life is, is directed to some type of end. There's always a result of why you go through what you go, whether it's good or bad. And I know that's hard to believe because some of the things that we go through, they hurt. So, some of the things that we go through are uncomfortable, you know. So, some of the things that we go through are tempting. But God is committed to your development. Even when you don't think it's God, but, but, but he, may have, 
He may have you in a place that he wants because he's trying to develop you. And if you don't allow him, he will arrest you. That's how much he loves you. That he'll stop you in your path just so that he can speak into your life a great plan and a great joy that he has for you and I. Now you think of Joseph. When Joseph was a young boy and his father loved him, all he did was be a child that was loved by his dad. He didn't make that up. His father decided to love him more than the other boys. Was it his fault that his father did extra things for him? But his brothers took it out on him. He stripped him away, sent him and sold him to Potiphar's, uh, to Egypt. They ripped up his jacket of many colors and they gave it to his dad and said, an, a, a, an angry wild animal took your boy. So he put pain on, on their dad. And he goes to Potiphar's house, finds favor. That old Potiphar's wife, that scary Mary, come on now. She put longing eyes on that boy. They describe him as a handsome boy. That means that he was buffed out like me. You know, he was, he was, he was, he was working. He had great complexion, great hair, great intellect. And she cast longing eyes on him. And he says, no, I cannot sin against my God. Put him in the pen. All this because he was called by God. And, and in that pen... These guys had a dream, and he says, hey, when you remember, you know, I'm going to tell you a dream. When you go to Pharaoh, remember that I'm in the pen. Help me out. Homie, don't you know me? Started back in the Bible days. So they remembered, and uh, he came out, and they brought him right to Pharaoh. To, to Pharaoh. And guess who's standing right next to Pharaoh? You see, Potiphar was... The equivalent of the CIA, Secret Service. Potiphar was standing right there. And guess who was standing next to Potiphar? Oh, that crazy woman. That woman that got him in the pen. Now I can imagine Joseph looking at her. And when they gave Joseph all the power, feel me now, he had the power, second under Pharaoh. I imagine he looked at that crazy lady. Because I could take you out right. I should take you out right now. The Bible is silent. If he didn't, I pray in heaven. I'm going to ask him if he had her taken out because he should have. But that's just my opinion. I don't, I don't say it's biblical. But God took him through all of that, allowed him to go through all of that. None of it was his fault. All he wanted to do was bless God. But he went through all of that to end up where he needed to be. Why? Because if he had not gone through that and learned how to value God's purpose for his life, he would not be able to handle what he was about to do, which was to preserve Israel. I don't know God's ultimate plan for many of your lives this, this morning, but I think God has prepared you because your sphere of influence will be touched by the fact that you passed your test that you allowed the process in your life to benefit other people. Psalms 119.32 reads, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. I'm doing what you want me to do because I'm free in my heart. That's a powerful scripture. I'm doing your will because you set me free when I was in bondage. I have the ability to do your purpose because I live in freedom now. 
I do it with joy. I take on trial because of joy, because you set me free. Sometimes we go through unnecessary things because of wrong choices, but God still uses them to develop us. You know, like that Potiphar's, I'm sorry, the prodigal son. He made a bad choice. His choice was to go and leave his father. And what happened? God still used that to glorify his name. When he came to his senses, he came back, and his father had a ring and a sandal on his foot the robe and the fatted calf. God used all of it as a metaphor to you and I. That God was always waiting for us to come back. What a beautiful story that is. He'll even take our bad decisions and make something great out of it. That's how much He loves you. Stand with me this morning. I I think this morning that as you come to this place, our place in this walk with God of surrender,